All right, welcome back to the Simmer Down podcast. Uh, Jake and Finn here today. I could not make it. He is currently on the job uh, back at Colorado. We think he's on the job. I mean, we, we think, yeah. We, we don't really know, but we're just going to give him the benefit Might of the doubt. Might be playing some beer dye, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair enough, but we're, we're still here. <laughs> Well, he's got to practice because we're undefeated together. Like Ike has never, Ike has never beaten us, and Jake and I have never been beaten in beer die. That's true. We never lost though. I just I don't know why. It's just it's it's this weird thing, but yeah, we just never lost. Yeah, I mean, it's funny too because whenever I play like with someone that's not you, it's just like I'm just shit. Like I played a few weeks ago. And obviously, we don't play on the East Coast because, like, we don't have any room in New York City to play. Yeah. Um, but we – I remember I played uh, with a few friends, and I was just like, wow, it's been a minute. That would be better than absolute shit. But I don't know. Whenever I link up with Jake, it's just – it's different. We just go off. I, sinkers on sinkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whenever – you know, you just call me Russell Wilson, man, because I elevate everybody. Yeah, it's it's the also the funny thing is whenever we play against Ike, he's got those Lego hands, so like it's hard for him to like catch the die. In his yeah. I mean, die don't lie, but at the same time, yeah, I <laughs> Ike doesn't have it easy either. He's so. good at like clinging on to the beer when he's got a drink halfway through the game and at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, we're shitting on Ike. Uh, or listens to. It. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and start the show with uh with a great clown of the week we have we have people lining up for this too so this wasn't easy yeah it's it's gonna start getting it's just getting tougher and tougher i mean if it's this bad when sports aren't even around or not even really happening i mean i can't imagine what's gonna be like in a few weeks i mean things start back up again and i i don't think we could have had this much material during court like i mean before quarantine so quarantine's really blessed us here with some some great stuff uh but anyways getting getting right to it our clown of the week is rob manfred because in a span of five days, he went from saying there would 100% be a season to not confident at all. Yeah, and I think he honestly rejected, in my mind, what what was a good proposal by the MLBPA. Uh, this was yesterday. Um, so he rejected a 70-game season from July 19th through September 30th, full uh, prorated pay which is something, again, I think can be debated simply because you're playing 70 games. You're playing, you know, under half the games, right? And then, yeah, under half the games by a good amount. But, um, yeah, continuing on, spring training through June 26th through the 28th, extended playoffs to 16 teams in the 2020 and 2021 season, minimum pool for playoff shares in 2020 based on rounds played, $50 million at full playoff this stage, a 50-50 split of incremental TV re- revenue for any additional postseason games in 2021, so on and so forth. You know, salary advance forgiveness for all players in tiers one to three of March agreement. So that was something that was already agreed upon. Um, and it just goes on. You know, I-, I think there's a little more things that they added here that maybe, you know, you can make an argument that the owners and um, the commissioner doesn't want to pay for. But, I mean, he said on Thursday – you know, this needs to be over until I speak with the owners. I can't give you a firm deadline, but it's like, I mean, if it needs to be over at some point, you have to think if you're the commissioner, okay, fuck it. I got to, you know, I got to submit to the players. Cause I mean, 
if you don't submit to the players now, at some point, you know, this isn't going to just end. And I think we already know that this inevitably is not going to end and it's going to affect the 2021 season and future seasons. Um, but yeah, Manfred, I mean, I don't know. The guy seems like he's bipolar. He just can't make up his mind on what he wants to do. One day he says he wants this to be over, but at the same time, he's not agreeing with anything. And I think at this point, he's kind of run out of options, you know, to really like put something on the table that, you know, the players are going to agree with. And the sad thing is that it affects the fans the most. Yeah, true. It's, it's a shame that we're not getting baseball right now. And that brings us to the next next point. Um, it's the MOB versus the MOBPA. Whose side are you on? So we have the owners. And the, here's what the owners, what I have to say about the owners. So they don't have the money, or, or so they say they don't, which we know is probably not true. And it's more just bitterness in regards to the lost revenue that from this season and for potential games that they host in the future if a season happens. And so the financial transparency is almost non-existent too. Um, the thing though that people forget is Manfred works for the owners. So he's working to please them more than the players. And then if you look at the players in a nutshell, uh, a lot of people think the players just need to grow up and accept the pay cut because Americans are being furloughed, laid off. Players are whining about not getting pro-rate salaries. Owners have to sacrifice to host the games, so the players may as well chip in for the sake of baseball and the fans and just suck up the sacrifice too. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, to say the owners don't have the money, I think it's more so that I don't know if they want to pay for a full salary of, you know, every player if they're only playing half, you know, just under half the games. And I can understand that. And I I can understand that, you know, simply because, I mean, let's be honest, you know, there's 162 baseball games you know, not everyone, I mean, you, you, I mean, we've both been to baseball games that the crowds have just, you know, the stands have just been empty and that's during a normal season. I mean, with the coronavirus now, you would think it would even be worse. Um, and you know, yeah, that you have to take that into account when you're thinking of the financial, you know, burdens that teams are going to face, you know, more so than they did in the last few years. And the MLB attendance has already been declining, you know, for a pretty solid amount of time or, you know, um, over the last decade. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. You know, people do forget Manfred works for the owners. So, I mean, you know, it could be a little bit of a situation where he's, you know, you know, just the messenger and he's getting killed. But um, uh, I think both sides need to definitely, you know, they have to be willing to make sacrifices. And it seems like both sides aren't. But Manfred definitely should be putting on a much stronger face for the, you know, the, for the league. Because, I mean, the way he's acting now, it's making both sides look like, you know, kids and they're being immature. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, the big issue is, is, or the big, you know, question is, you know, whether or not Manfred's going to be around as the MLB commissioner for, you know, a longer period of time. I don't, I don't know if he will be. I mean, I think, you know, he's obviously pissed off the owners and he's obviously pissed off the players. So it seems like his days would be numbered. Yeah, that's, um, he definitely has set himself up well for the future, you know, dealing with the situation. Um, but I want to get back to the players real quick. People think all the players want to do is play, um, mostly because they're seeing the tweets from guys like Max Scherzer and Anthony Rizzo. And then where they just say, tell us when and where, you know, we're good. But it's really not like that with the majority. I think the majority really are fighting for the best deal possible. Yeah, I think that's true, too. And I mean, again, it's hard to tell whether or not that's a good thing or bad thing. You know, again, we talked about it on the last pod, uh, you know, 
when you're taking a 20 or 30 percent cut of you know players' salaries, you know that's not going to affect the you know the Trouts and the Yelichs and you know the Yankees players of the league. Um, but it's going to affect, you know, the bullpen, you know, players, you know, guys that are on, you know, teams with, you know, like the Oakland A's that, you know, rely on having a, you know, a cheap roster, you know, those guys are the ones that are going to get hurt. So, I mean, that's, I think the big question is, you know, how many of those guys are standing up right now and trying to say like, look, I need this full paycheck because, you know, 30% of a million dollars is a lot worse than, you know, Mike Trout's 20 or 30 million, you know, 30% of, you know, of that. So, um, that's interesting. And, you know, I think one more thing to add to Manfred, you know, maybe not being the commissioner and, you, you know, you, uh, years to come, it seems like in, the, in, in all the sports leagues, you know, in the United, in the United States, you know, commissioners are rarely fired. Um, I mean, the NBA Stern retired, Adam Silver has been there for, you know, the last, you know, since then, you know, Manfred's been the commissioner of the MLB for a good period of time. Um, Goodell, I mean, in my opinion, should be fired, but he hasn't been. And he's been the commissioner for a good period of time. I mean, it just seems like these guys can kind of suck at their jobs and keep them. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird. Well, Goodell, Goodell is different because he definitely has done what uh, right by the owners. And he's driven, you know, the he's made the NFL more marketable. He's driven up business um, ratings have um are finally going starting to go back up i mean i think things are on the rise for the nfl and he's starting to also establish that global popularity by sending you know the jaguars to play two games over there every year um i think yeah, he's actually done no a rather years, good yeah. job yeah disciplinary actions those have definitely been inconsistent and that's what i do not agree with but i think from a business standpoint he has done very good uh you know doing right by the nfl in that regard yeah, I would agree too. And I think, you know, that, that, you know, the owners definitely have control of whether or not, you know, Goodell has a job or not. Um, and the players don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see with the MLB. All I can hope is I hope there's a season two. I mean, I'm going back East. I'd love to hit some Yankee and Mets games, but hopefully Manfred and the players can get their shit together and figure something out. Well, yeah. And the th- I'm going to take the player side though, because um, I don't, I think the owners, they really, screwed him in this situation because the longer they wait the more leverage the owners have the players don't really have any yeah no it definitely and you know and again i think the i think the contracts you know where you're getting percentages of your pay cuts taken away it's going to hurt those players that are not making a lot of money and we know with the mlb where it's you know it's a pretty you know the you know the the salaries in, in the mlb for players you know is pretty varied in terms of who you are because if you're really not a star player you're not making a ton of money um, comparable to, you know, to other sports leagues. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see what goes down. Um, but, um, yeah, you're right. I think, you know, at some point the players are going to fo- be forced to agree with what the owners have to say, but that could also be why Manfred is, you know, not, you know, accepting any of these proposals is because he knows and the owners know that at some point they're going to be able to get what they want. Um, so, you know, the inevitable might just happen. You know, there's nothing the players can do about it. And here's the thing. So Colin went on the herd and he defended him and he said he's forced to represent the owners and he just got dealt a terrible hand basically. But one of his favorite sayings is also this people don't get credit for the disasters they avoid. And Man- Manfred has done no such thing since the pandemic. He's only made this worse. Well, I mean, there's an argument to be made too, that this situation could have been, I mean, 
this should have been something that was solved at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, they should have understood that there was going to be a period of time where they weren't going to be playing and they should have tried to figure something out as soon as possible. It seems like they, they kind of were, you know, not lazy, but definitely late to kind of figuring out, okay, there's something that needs to be done here and, you know, and fixed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope baseball's back. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I took a few years off from baseball um, in high school. And then last year, I mean, I really got back into it and, you know, it would be a bummer, you know, to not have a season or not, you know, have a very, very short and uh, short season this year. Cause I mean, I, I think this year again, too, I mean, there's so many great teams there. So many teams are reloaded. I mean, it'd be a shame for Manfred and the, and the players and the owners to not be able to figure something out in the near future. I mean, there's just baseball, I think is on the come up in terms of excitement again. And, do it, you know, this is not helping, you know, baseball come back at all, especially when other leagues are already, you know, figuring out when they're coming back, like the NHL and the NBA. Right. I mean, yeah, we only got like a what do we have less? It's, a, you know, about a month and a half till NBA, NHL is back. So um, that we don't have that much time left without sports. But um, that's a, that's the other thing. So the last major takeaway, just to sum up this situation and Finn kind of already went into this a little bit. Um, we it seems like Manfred's days might be numbered because he tried to cover up the Astro scandal, didn't properly punish them. He calls the World Series trophy a piece of metal um, in a league where a parody is most prominent. So that's just the most uneducated statement, really. Um, and then he said, you know, the MLB has been most affected by this because they haven't started their season yet. So you would think this, their sense of urgency would be the greatest, but it's been the exact opposite. And the Yankee, the Yankees making some bad headlines, and we know the league is at its best when the Yankees are winning. Um, some people are raising the question of if he's even a fan of baseball, which I think is, you know, that's just in itself is ridiculous. And he's good. Well, I mean, he has had incidents before, like his comments about the World Series trophy. I mean, those are things that shouldn't be coming out of an owner's mouth. I mean, I'm sorry, commissioner's mouth. I mean, imagine if Goodell was just like, yeah, yeah, the Lombardi trophy doesn't really matter. It's just a piece of Well, no, no, I'm not saying like, I don't don't agree with that. I'm just saying it's, you know, like the fact that people are saying that about him means, you know, something is definitely not right here. And um, I think, you know, he's getting paid $25 million a year to oversee the league, and so far it's been anything but peaceful. No, I would assume his days are numbered. I mean, again, you know, like many other Americans, you know, the quarantine and the coronavirus has led to, you know, them losing jobs. And I don't know if Manfred's, you know, completely defensible against that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the last we're going to talk about the MLB, I think until a deal does get done or if they, you know, call out the season, we will see it. A deal is hopefully it's yeah. A deal is supposed to get done pretty soon here. They're, that's what they're expecting, but um, who knows with Manfred. What do you think's gonna? What type of deal you think's gonna happen? Because I would assume it's probably gonna be around a sixty to seventy game season. Because I think the seventy games I think is good. I think the big issue is when do the playoffs start and end? Because Dr. Anthony Fauci's been saying you know they can't have playoffs in October, which I think is a little stupid, but I get it. Um, and you know, again, I think the players do need to take some sort of pay cut. You know, maybe minimal, but they probably do have to take some sort of pay cut at least. So I mean. I'm interested to see what you have to think about it in terms of when you, what type of prediction you'll have for the season. I honestly don't know if there's if both sides really think it's worth it at this point. I think the players association is so frustrated and the owners are like, "Well, we're just going to lose money." 
So what's what's the real incentive here besides you know obviously the fans? There really there, I don't think there really is any because I think too many people are just too many players are just going to be stubborn and they're going to say okay well you'll see how well baseball does you know without us and um, if if that happens I mean that would just be terrible uh, but and I think it's the owner's job to not let that happen so maybe that is could could be some potential leverage in getting the players to you know agree to something I don't know if I I would have to imagine it's going to be 65 games because we're just losing days here um and so i would think 65 days probably expanded playoff and i don't think they can waive the right to greet uh for you know to file a grievance so i think that's gonna have to stay if they want a season yeah i mean that would be crazy if there was no mlb season i think it'd be um foolhardy on both sides for that not you know for a season not to happen especially you know for the sake of just the MLB being, you know, popular and relevant for years to come. Um, but we will see. We will see. It's interesting to Indeed. Um, look, let us shift to this. Um, so recently we saw a film analysis come out on Sam Darnold and, you know, me and Finn had to check it out because Sam Darnold is one of the biggest mysteries right now in the NFL. Yeah. Shout out to my Jets fans out there. Yeah, yeah, shout- you know who you are. I room with you. So, you know, we had to talk about this on the show. So the question here is, uh, who's buying the Sam Darnold hype? After seeing the film analysis, I actually have changed my mind. I've At first, I was a complete doubter, uh, mostly because he was a product of USC and he did have a turnover problem that I didn't think, I don't think he's going to necessarily be able to overcome uh, as a member of the Jets. So, but after seeing the film analysis, the, the flashes are there. And he was just the, here's the thing. So it comes down to this. He had no offensive line last year. Ike and I have seen what that can do to good teams. The Chargers went from 12 and four in 2018 to five and 11 because of it. Um, and just like what the, happened to the Browns this season, everybody's like, um, oh my God, the Browns are contenders. And, you know, you see the games and it's like, well, Baker doesn't really have enough time to really do his thing. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. You can't neglect the O-line. Telesco, you know, he did it uh, last off season and it, you know, it, bit him in the ass really um and so yeah but getting back to sam donald obviously his best wide receiver was purely a vertical threat that isn't very physical either in robbie anderson and he's gone um and his coach is adam gase who i think he's a bad play caller and even just worse overall coach um he gave his qb no time to throw in the pocket he doesn't know how to use an all pro talent properly like Le'Veon bell and everybody you know Thing that that was a thing like Le'Veon Bell and uh, Odell, people highly criticized them because the production wasn't there. It's was like okay, well, uh, need to look a little bit more into who's calling the plays and you know see how that's really transpiring. Uh, but yeah, now I actually do see what Colin Cowherd has been talking about for so long. It's you know it, they made a start by getting Sam a real offensive tackle in the first round. And also getting Denzel Mims, that was just, you know, the value was there and he was what fell to them at that point in the second round. Um, but I think if the Jets stay dysfunctional, especially under Adam Gase, I think Sam Donald is going to continue to struggle to succeed and ultimately have more of a career trajectory. Hate to say it, but a guy like Matthew Stafford. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think you get anywhere with Gase. I mean, I, I personally think he's, an awful head coach. I know Jets fans will tell you the same thing. Um, and uh, it's just one of those situations where I, the players don't have any respect for him. 
You know, the fans don't have any respect for him. He doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. I mean, look at it. I mean, we watched the film and, you know, you can even see, you know, towards the, the beginning of the season when Sam Darnold had no, you know, short passes or, you know, different reads to go to when, you know, the things downfield weren't open, he was getting sacked because his offensive line was terrible and he had no time to throw the ball. Um, but then towards the end of the season, you know, way too late, you know, in, in you know, by the time it, they started happening, it was way too late for them to even be, in, you know, in contention of going to the playoffs or even winning games. You know, he finally had some sort of, you know, short route that he could throw to or an out route or something that was, you know, kind of a dump off that, you know, he could throw to if, you know, whatever was downfield wasn't open. And we saw Sam Darnold, you know, excel, you know, pretty well against that. And even in the last five games of, you know, this last season, he played pretty well um, in terms of his numbers. Um, and, you know, I think a great game to look at is the Patriots game, because when you watch the film, the Patriots game is not you, – you, a lot of people look at it, and when I looked at it at first, you just thought, like, wow, that is a red flag for someone that's going to be a bust. I mean, he was seeing ghosts. You know, he was he threw so many interceptions. He had some terrible throws. He was forcing the ball. But one of those interceptions he had by the red zone, I forget if it who picked it off, um, but it was interesting because he freaked out and threw the ball early because he was scared that he had pressure on him when he really didn't. He had no pressure on him, but it was just the fact that he's not, he does not trust his offensive line at all. And I don't even think he trusts Adam Gase as a coach, you know, that he was just, you know, too nervous in the pocket and you watch his feet in the pocket as well. He's very, you know, it's almost like he's, um, he's, you know, doing hopscotch. Like he's very jumpy. He doesn't have, you know, a, a good, you know, motion, you know, his feet are always hopping around. And I think that's, you know, not because, you know, he's a bad quarterback that has bad ish, you know, tendencies. It's, I think it's more because that he has an offensive line that cannot protect him, even when it's, you know, five offensive line versus three defensive, you know, linemen. And he doesn't have any dominant receivers that he, you know, that can get open downfield. And to add on to that, he has a coach that's not giving him any other options to throw to it, particularly, you know, ones that are dump offs to a running back or, or, you know, even just a wide receiver, you know, going on a, on a short route. So, yeah, I mean, I think we both came to the conclusion that, you know, he definitely is legit. He's got potential, but he just needs, he needs a better head coach and he needs more talent around him. And again, I think when you saw, like, when he would throw short routes to Le'Veon Bell, that that proved to be very, very good for him and his confidence. Um, and I think Adam Gase has done a terrible job of building up his confidence. And, you know, it's interesting too. I think, you know, looking at his film as well, I noticed another thing where it made me wonder how many quarterbacks in the NFL could have been good if they only just had good situations their first few years in the league. Cause I think the mental you know, toughness that you have to be able to have as a quarterback in the NFL is imperative to your success. And, you know, that is determined in your first few years in the league. And I think we've seen plenty of guys just, you know, not be able to handle it simply because they have nothing going on around them. They have nothing to help them. I mean, look at Josh Rosen. I mean, as much as he's, you know, bad on the field, it's, it's like, imagine anyone in that situation where you were just being dumped around to a different team simply for another guy. I mean, your, your confidence has to be at an all time low. And I fear that for Sam Darnold, but I mean, again, the film will also show you that he does great things. And I mean, I know, I know that you saw some of that too. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, there's, there's hope there for Sam Darnold. I just think he needs to be in a better situation. And the Jets have failed to do that for decades to put their quarterbacks in good situations. I mean, when your best quarterback's Chad Pennington, you know, 
you got problems. And Joe Namath is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL, so I don't want to hear anyone say that he, he's their best quarterback. Man, Finn got some unpopular opinions today. Uh, but, no, if you – so if you think we are totally against Adam Gase and we're just blaming everything on him, I want to point to this. Look at Ryan Tannehill. He was stuck in Miami. He, you know, he showed some flashes. He had that one year where he had like 22 touchdowns. You know, they won some games, but they still weren't a legitimate playoff team. He gets out of Miami under Adam Gase, gets a change of scenery, goes to Tennessee, you know, and obviously they, their identity was with Derrick Henry, but he got to play off Derrick Henry. You know, he gets that change of scenery and all of a sudden he has a career year and he's, you know, his career is on a totally different path now because of it. And he got twenty nine and a half million, you know, per year now as the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. So, and, you know, that's after he left Gates. That's that's the best example. You look at guys when they go away from the situation they're in before, see how they do. So that's the thing. I mean, even look at, uh, I mean, I know now, you know, we might say that he's not, you know, what he was during his career year. But, I mean, even Jared Goff. I mean, when he was under Eric, uh, Eric Fisher and, um, you know, the, the other coordinator that they had become the interim head coach, I mean, he wasn't a good quarterback. I mean, everyone thought that he was a terrible player. I mean, he just – he would throw the ball and you thought, you know, I could throw, I thought to myself, I could throw better with my left hand. And, you know, then you have Sean McVay come in, you know, completely bring a new and different system that, you know, is innovative and, you know, uses, you know, every player on the offense to their best, you know, to their best ability. And Jared Goff, you know, has a career year and leads his team to the Super Bowl. And obviously he had a down year last year, but I think, again, that's another example of how important it is for young quarterbacks to go into a healthy situation in the NFL and it's the same reason I worry about guys like Joe Burrow I mean you can look at this draft class this year I mean you know Joe Burrow does not have a lot of talent around him and the big question with Joe Burrow is that you know was his career year at LSU you know because of the talent that was around him and his offensive coordinator or was it because he actually did immensely improve as a quarterback I think it's a little bit of both and I have faith in him to succeed at the NFL and I think grabbing T Higgins was a good move by the Bengals to give him you know a a long-term you know star receiver in my mind, you know, uh, at the, you know, at the position there in Cincinnati. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's so important for young quarterbacks in the NFL to have stability. I think the problem with Sam Darnold is he doesn't, and you can see it in the way he plays. He's just not comfortable. And when you look at him in college, I mean, you know, yeah, he was playing against weaker competition, but he was comfortable in the pocket. He made good plays. Yes. He made mistakes, but he made, he made some excellent plays. And it's so easy to see on the film too just how special he is as a quarterback. I mean, he can make plays outside of the pocket too. You wouldn't think of him as that type of guy. I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. You know, he's not a Lamar Jackson. You know, he's not someone that's going to beat you with your, you know, his legs or his moves, but he's just scrappy. You know, like he just has some, he has some Brett Favre a little bit to him, you know, where he just kind of does some things that are just, you know, they're just kind of like tools that he uses just to make plays last, you know, last longer, just, you know, make something out of nothing. And it doesn't require athleticism, you know, it just requires, you know, a good football IQ. And he has that. I think it's just about, I mean, I, in my opinion, really, I think Gase needs to go. Like, I, I think he, I don't know how he's a head coach in the NFL, but again, the problem with the Jets is that they just don't have a good front office. The owners, you know, are just not great. And, you know, Jets fans will tell you, you know, there just hasn't been, you know, a solid mentality of, you know, winning 
in a very, very long well, time. Well, actually, and, I, I would hold off on that. I, a lot of people do speak highly of GM Joe Douglas. And we're gonna get a we're gonna get a nice good first. Well, in recent here. years they've had good picks. I will I'll I'll back myself up on that. The last few years they've been actually doing well in the draft. But I mean historically, I mean the Jets have been atrocious in the NFL draft. I mean they passed up on Warren Sapp. I mean there was Dion Milner who was was awful. I mean they've had bad picks bad, on bad picks. Um, but I yeah I would say Joe Douglas has you know done better in terms of getting Jamal Adams, which we'll obviously be getting to, but, uh, you know, Quentin Williams looks pretty, you know, pretty good. You know, I think Sam Darnold looks pretty good, but, you know, I think the future is bright for Sam Darnold. I think, again, I think stability is key there. Um, but the Jets do have a young quarterback on their hands. That's, you know, got a lot of promising, um, promise for him or promise to him. Um, and again, the other thing I didn't know, um, is that he's younger, I believe than, uh, a bunch of other younger quarterbacks in the league. He's younger than Joe Burrow. I think he's younger than um, the other quarterbacks. That, I think he was the youngest first-round quarterback out of his draft class. I think Daniel Jones is older than him. I think Lamar Jackson might even be older than him. Um, so he's still very young. So, you know, I think that's important to remember, too, is, you know, young guy. when you get into the league at a young age, I mean, I think one or two years, you know, it makes a difference. Absolutely. Um, but anyways, getting back to Joe Douglas, <clears throat> we're going to see what he's made of here when uh, dealing with this Jamal Adams situation, which brings us to our next topic. Um, Jamal Adams obviously been in the headlines the last couple of days, we, uh, you know, regarding his career uh, as a member of the New York Jets. And just, uh, what was it, yesterday, requested a trade from the New York Jets. And there's a, he gave a list, I guess, of seven preferred destinations we got the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Seahawks. And no no particular order there. But, uh, yeah, we want to go look at these seven teams real quick in a snapshot and see which teams make sense, which teams don't. So uh, let's start. Let's go ahead and start with the Ravens here. I think the Ravens make a ton of sense because Earl Thomas is aging. They don't have a ton of people really – locked in for the next couple of years on the books. Um, he could add a ton of more versatility and, you know, bring, you know, all about what that team is about is speed. Um, he'd be flying all over the field. So I think that actually makes a ton of sense. I'd actually say, I don't know. Well, I, I guess I would say I'm on the fence about the Ravens. I don't think it's where he's going to end up. It very could, it could be though, because of the Ravens wanting, you know, to contend. Um, you know, I think it's obvious that Earl Thomas was not the answer um, or, you know, just hasn't. I don't I, I think at least in terms of he, if he was, you know, good for them, you know, his best years for them are behind them, obviously, with his age. Um, but it's important, you know, to, you know, to know that, you know, they're they're low on cap space. Um, they have to pay Ronnie Stanley soon, who's going to demand a lot of money. Um, they franchise tag Matt Judon. So you're assuming they're going to pay him next year. And they have Lamar Jackson they got to worry about who, you know, ideally will probably get, I mean, if they gave Joe Flacco, you know, a boatload of money, they'll probably give Lamar Jackson, you know, a cruise ship full of money. So, I mean, you know, that is something to remember because I, I, you know, I know um, you can correct me on this, but I believe Jamal Adams is asking for what, 20, 30 million. Yeah. He he's, um, he's looking for something to make him the highest. I think, I think the highest paid defensive player, even though safety is like the market is, at topped out at 15 million, but that's because he's a versatile defender. He's like the modern, you know, de defensive player and he's 
he's different from, you know, the, some other top safeties in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Ravens are an interesting situation. I mean, it, it really just depends on what they want to do with their cast space, but they do have players to pay. Um, um, but it would be, I mean, to say that adding Jamal, uh, uh, Jamal Adams would, you know, make them, a, you know, an even greater contender than they already are is, you know, it's, you know, it's obvious that he would, you know, have a huge impact on their defense, which is already one of the best in the league. Um, so, um, I think it's a there's a chance he could end up there, but I definitely think there's other teams in the league that probably have a, a better chance of uh, at grabbing Jamal uh, Adams than the Ravens. Yeah. So the second team on this list, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are his favorite team. That he has, I think it, he supposedly has a tat somewhere on him of a, I think with the Cowboy logo or something. But I don't want to hear about the Cowboys because it's unrealistic. They have they have too much money committed to other guys. They they have like seven players they're paying. 10 million or more um, within over the next five years, at least. So this makes no sense. And so when you know, when you have, when you're spending a lot of money, um, you don't have the flexibility. You want to keep your draft picks as insurance, you know, in case these guys get hurt and you can't go out, afford to go out and get somebody on the market. So that's why I think the Cowboys are very unrealistic here. Yeah, and they already added uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Xavier Woods this offseason. Well, um, I mean, that's not to say they're not, you know, they they obviously need help at the safety position. Um, and Adam, you know, those two guys are more um, free safeties, whereas Adam's, you know, more of a strong safety. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they have an NFL high three players making at least 20 million per year. Um, and, you know, I think Jerry Jones obviously wants to be all in. And he wants to pay some, you know, he wants to, you know, make the team, you know, as good as possible in terms of trying to get to an NFC championship game. Because, I mean, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and if you're if you're Jerry Jones, I mean, you are losing patience in terms of the team, you know, getting to the championship game and winning a Super Bowl because it's, you know, it's been a long drought for them. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think they have too much money committed to other guys. And, you know, I don't think they're willing to give up their draft picks, especially if they, you know, don't perform well this year i mean you have to think that the cowboys are going to consider you know not hitting the reset button but definitely you know thinking about changing things up there and they might want to have draft picks to do so you know particularly if they want to grab a quarterback um so i i don't think he'll land on the cowboys although it, it obviously you know it's one of those things where the cowboys could obviously overpay him. i mean you know it really just depends on what jerry jones wants yeah so then the next team on this list is the other team in texas we got the houston texans I don't think he goes here because it seems like Bill O'Brien, you know, offensive guy, he only wheels and deals offensive guys. So I'm going to say Jamal Adams probably doesn't spark his interest enough to, for him to make a move here. Yeah. They also have no, I don't, I mean, they don't have two picks in the 2021 draft because they traded them away. Um, and there really isn't anyone on their roster they can trade. I mean, they could have traded DeAndre Hopkins, I guess. I mean, yeah, I would have taken Jamal Adams over David Johnson, but I mean, again, I I also just don't think Bill O'Brien. I mean, I, there's no way he's going to be able to have the savvy to get Jamal Adams to go to the Texans, which is a shame because I mean, the Texans definitely could have used DeAndre Hopkins for someone like Jamal Adams instead of someone like David Johnson. But um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be in the running for Jamal Adams, honestly. Yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And they, they need those draft picks after not having the first this year. 
So I think in the, yeah, the impact of his trades are still being felt. They're going to be felt for a while. So that, yeah, Houston does not seem like it's a possible landing spot. Uh, moving on down, we got the Super Bowl defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to say they're unrealistic because they don't have money right now, like at all. And so, you know, you have no money. That's the same thing as you're going to need draft picks as insurance in case, you know, um, you can't afford to bring in other guys when your starters get hurt. So that's why I'm going to say the Chiefs are probably not going to get Jamal either. They got people to pay too, like Mr. Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, we're, they got to settle, you know, Mahomes' contract and then they can <laughs> – then they can uh, open – you know, think about other possibilities. So, uh, yeah, the Chiefs, I think that's a pretty easy no. I mean, the only the only thing they got going for them is that they do have a lot of players they can trade. But, I mean, do you want to trade those guys that just won you a Super Bowl? I mean, they already got Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen at safety, who, you know, I think are great players. I mean, yeah, Jamal Adams obviously probably has a little more versatility than both of them due to his age and, you know, just his his physical capabilities as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, Jamal Adams to the Chiefs would be pretty surprising for me. I, I would, I would be very shocked if they did, especially because they have to pay Patrick Mahomes, which is obviously their top priority over the next, you know, two years. Yeah. I mean, they're just like the Cowboys in the sense that they do have a big need of safety, but they, it's just not financially possible right now. So I think we can write them off. Uh, moving on down to the Philadelphia Eagles, the next team on this list. So Malcolm Jenkins just left. Jalen Mills, he's converting the strong safety, but he isn't proven. And they do need help everywhere on the defense after D-line. So I think this move makes a ton of sense, actually. And I could very possibly see this happening because Jamal Adams, he just fits the Philadelphia persona. I feel like he's the energy, he would he's just the energy that, you know, he would be just so big on this team. I think the Eagles make a ton of sense here. Yeah, and, you know, even though they already are paying um, nine players, you know, at least $10 million a year, which is a league high, um, they still have a lot of cap space. You know, they're in the top ten in the league for cap space. And I think, you know, they've already added Darius Slay, and I think another big, you know, shiny offseason prize would be Jamal Adams. for the And acquiring him would make that defense, you know, arguably one of the better ones in the league right away. Um, and, you know, I – I think that, that it's a, it's a very realistic location for Jamal Adams. Uh, and I do think, you know, with Malcolm Jenkins leaving, there definitely is a huge face of the defense that's gone and they do need to replace him. Um, but um, yeah, I think the fact that they do have a lot of cap space is a good sign that they could be in contention to sign him and maybe one of the, you know, teams that's on the top of the list in terms of getting him. And Mills is only on, you know, on a one-year contract. And, you know, you said, like you said, there's, you know, he, he is, he has not proved himself yet in the league. So, I mean, you know, there's no reason not to go get Jamal Adams, whoever he has. Um, so I, I think the Eagles, I mean, in my opinion right now, it would be realistically one of the best teams to, to get him. Well, I would definitely over the other two we talked about. I wouldn't say there's no reason not to get him because if you don't think you can get him to re-sign with you after this year, because this is his only year on his contract right now. It doesn't make a ton of sense to give up, you know, a first and a whatever, however many future picks. So I don't know. You do have to be careful with these guys on one-year deals that teams are trying to ship. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think it also just depends on how the Eagles play. Because I mean, 
you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big Wentz doubter, and I think you know the defense can be amazing on the for the Eagles, but I mean it all comes down to whether or not Wentz is you know the real deal or not. But he needs to get help at receiver, obviously, because um, he has proven that he's an MVP caliber player. But I mean, yeah, I think Eagles grab Jay, Jamal Adams. I mean that makes that defense you know it puts it right back where it was when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, ultimately, I think Jamal Adams he would definitely welcome trading in that Gotham Green for that nice dark Philly Green. Philly's need. I would like Philadelphia. I mean, this is off topic. I think the uh, the old green they have would be pretty sick. If only the NFL let teams have you know more than one helmet, we could have a whole. Once the, if that becomes to fruition, we could have a whole episode on different types of uniforms NFL play, teams can do. But carrying on, <laughs> what do we got next? The, okay, so the 49ers. We got them San Francisco 49ers. Uh, John Lynch trying to put moves together. Uh, Lynch always making moves. Well, I don't see this being one of them simply because their philosophy is built from the trenches out. So Jamal Adams, you know, the versatile safety he is, he, he can't get up on the line of scrimmage and probably do the occasional blitz, pressure the quarterback, uh, you know, and he, he's great in pursuit. But I I don't think this is a move they would make, but uh, mostly for that reason, but also because they didn't want to pay Buckner, so they shipped him off, and then they paid Eric Armstead instead. So – it just seems like, like you know, they're they're being really careful with that salary cap. So I don't know if Jamal Adams is necessarily, you know, a possibility that they would consider. I think I disagree. I I think they they definitely have the cap to pull it off. Um, he's an upgrade over what they have, and you know they again they lost in the Super Bowl and they need to re up. I mean, you know, if you're you know if you lose in the Super Bowl, you know, we obviously have seen with the Rams that. You know, if you don't make any offseason moves, you know, you can be in, in deep shit. Um, so I think if they're willing to trade uh, who they got there, um, and I'm forgetting about who they have, I'm blanking on the name, but um, he's obviously not as good as Jamal Adams. It may be a high draft uh, draft pick and maybe another player. They could probably, de- you know, they probably could get him. Um, and it obviously helps that they paid Garoppolo already. Um, and then the, the guys that they have going in the contract years are Trent Williams, who, you know, obviously he's towards the end of his career and they just traded for him, but, you know, whether or not they re-sign him is probably, you know, 50-50 at this point. Solomon Thomas, who, you know, arguably has not lived up to his billing as a top five pick. Richard Sherman, who we saw in the Super Bowl, is pretty much washed up at this point. And Kyle Juszczyk, who obviously, you know, is a fullback and is probably not going to demand that much money in terms of compared to other positional players. Um, And... You know, obviously they're going to be stuck picking late and probably in the next few drafts, you know, that could be tough for them trying to trade, you know, trade for him. But, um, you know, I think, again, if they want to be in contention to win a Super Bowl, I think they do have to make sacrifices. And I think if they're going to want to, you know, win one, a player like Jamal Adams might be the key to do that. Um, Because I don't think a player like Jamal Adams gives up those deep balls like, you know, they did to to Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Well, Finn, I agree with you that they they may need to re-up, but I think – you would be re-upping the wrong side of the football. You saw what Mahomes and Tyree Kill just did to them in the Super Bowl. We know the phrase is really now offense wins championships. It's now no longer defense. So I think bringing in Jamal Adams for, you know, it would take a ton of capital to do it too. Um, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense for a team that was so close to winning it, you know, with just a couple small adjustments. And the defense did their job. I mean, they dominated the entire game. The offense just wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say, putting up. I wouldn't say the defense did their job. That second half collapse on uh, 
on the D line was huge because they let Mahomes get out of the pocket. They couldn't contain contain him anymore, and he was free to do, you know, go back to playing comfortable Mahomes style. Well, I think the argument against that is, you know, I've had um, I have a friend um, uh, who's a pretty um, smart football player um, in college uh, where I go, and he was describing to me kind of the issue with their team this year. And it's that the defense can be fantastic, but a defense is only really built for, you know, two to three quarters. So I think, you know, obviously Jamal Adams maybe doesn't fix that, but I mean, yeah, you're right. They definitely need to, you know, figure more things out in terms of they're going to win a Super Bowl because I mean, the defense did their part, in my opinion, in terms of getting them to the second half and being in the league, uh, in the lead, but uh, the offense didn't perform, but uh, yeah, you're right. They, they definitely did let Mahomes get loose. Um, but I don't know how much that's on the defense as much as it, uh, you know, is on Garoppolo, you know, not really performing as well as he should have. Um, but I think the 49ers are, there's a chance they get them. I mean, you know, with them, you know, they're not shy about getting big names and, you know, I think we see with, you know, especially with the team, you know, that just came off a Super Bowl loss, you know, it's very likely that they could, you know, make a move like this simply because, you know, they kind of see it as a now or never type issue. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely, I think a team like the Eagles probably has a better chance um, than the 49ers do it, uh, grabbing them. Yeah, I will say the 49ers, especially under John Lynch, they look like a team that could manage uh, personalities pretty well. So they do have that going for them. So who knows? Because, you know, the 49ers are almost kind of unpredictable too. Uh, but, yeah, so maybe maybe he does go there. Who knows? I mean, it'd be a good fit. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if that really happens. Moving on down, we got another team in the NFC West with a chance at this guy. We got the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they do need to restart that Legion of Boom because it's been gone for quite some time now. Uh, and we know Pete Carroll can manage personalities. They have needs on defense. So this could make a ton of sense here. Yeah, the only issue is that if they're not willing to pay Clowney, are they willing to play uh, pay Jamal Adams? Right they they don't have the best they don't have the best cap situation at all. And you know he cost them a, a pair of uh, players in a day two draft pick a year ago. Um, and yeah, I, it would be tough for me to see the Seahawks making a move simply because again, I mean. I don't know if Jamal – I mean, I think Jamal Adams is better than Jadavion Clowney. I mean, I think he might be a little bit more of an explosive, you know, player on defense. But it, it's tough to see them acquiring that type of, you know, player when they are not even willing to re-sign the one they already got. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you know, you never know what the Seahawks do. I mean, they're just another team that, you know, they, they add where they really don't need it. I mean, if there's anything they should be considering doing right now, it's figuring out that offensive line, in my opinion. That's – got to be their utmost priority every single offseason but it never is so i mean what what do i know about the seahawks yeah nobody really knows what the seahawks are trying to do building around russell wilson are you building around him or are you not and if you are i think they're just doing it the wrong way but that's the thing with john snyder ever since that legendary i think it was 2012 draft he's been very spotty with picks and he's been missing on a lot so maybe his philosophy is hey we got all we got picks. Let's just ship them out and get some guaranteed products, you know. So maybe Jamal Adams does get brought in. Yeah, I just think are you renting him for a year or are you gonna, you know, because like are you gonna do the same thing you did with Jadavion Clowney where you get him this year and you ship off picks, but then you just lowball him with offers next year? Cause I mean, I don't think the Seahawks are gonna pay him twenty, thirty million. Um so I don't know if the move would make that much sense for them. Um 
Um, and they do already have some decent players on defense, I think, at that position. But obviously, Jamal Adams would be an upgrade. Yeah. I don't even understand. I think that's such a poorly managed situation, like, uh, you know, regarding the cap. Because who are they paying besides Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner? I don't even know. I mean, they're going to have to pay guys in the future. You're assuming DK Metloff's going to get paid. Um, I mean, how do you – who? I mean, maybe uh, – who's the running back there? Chris, not Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Guy. I don't think they're paying Chris Carson, yeah, Chris Carson. too much. No. Well, they got Rashad Penny, too. I mean, he's still in that first-round contract. It's not, you know, necessarily yeah. a ton. You never know what the – I mean, I don't know what the deal with the Seahawks is. They're a team that's – you know, I think they've gotten away with getting criticism due to that one Super Bowl win. But, I mean, I mean, they've just wasted, I feel like, the last six, seven years of, you know, of Russell Wilson's career. I mean, he literally has done everything possible to make that team win Super Bowls, and everything goes against him every time. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation for him in Seattle. I'm surprised he hasn't left. But, I mean, he's just the type of guy that's loyal. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, it's tough to see. It's tough to see Jamal Adams though coming to Seattle because the best they could offer Clowney was fifteen million, and if I don't, I that's because they were truly stuck to, you know, only giving him fifteen million. And so I don't know what the cap situation looks like next year, when they, if they do give him Jamal Adams a contract extension, if they were to bring him in, but I would highly doubt that would happen because they do need to surround Russell Wilson with more talent. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend money, yeah, it's definitely going to be on the offensive side of the ball for me. All right. And moving on down, is there a team that was not mentioned by Jamal Adams, but should definitely be considering acquiring his services? Um, well, I mean, we all, we all know the Browns are always interested in getting the, you know, the big prizes in free agency or just, you know, in general. I mean, they traded for Odell Beckham. Um, you know, they grabbed Austin Hooper. So, you know, they do grab, you know, the big prizes or the big catches, I should say. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, he could be an interesting player for them to have. I mean, you know, he obviously would step right in front of Carl Joseph, um, who I still think is a decent player, but obviously Jamal Adams is much better. Um, and they did get Grant Delpit, who's a free safety. And I think, you know, both LSU products, you know, Grant Delpit's a guy who was, you know, could have been a first-round pick, obviously, as a first-round talent. You know, could be good for him to play with a guy like Jamal Adams. You know, could put a little pressure off of him, get him more, you know, comfortable to, uh, you know, against playing against NFL offenses. Um, but again, they, you know, you know, they do have guys to pay. I mean, you got Baker Mayfield coming up. You know, you have to figure out whether you want to pay Odell. Or, you know, you got to figure out whether you want to pay Nick Chubb. You know, Miles. They have a lot of guys. They got Miles. Pay. Miles. So, I mean, Miles another, Garrett's going to get the bag thrown at him. That's true too. Well, he's going to throw a helmet if he doesn't. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's 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 tough there with the Browns because, I mean, they really want to build up the team. But, I mean, it's not like the NBA, you know, where you can just, you know, stack your roster and, you know, only pay three or four guys. I mean, you know, the NFL, you got the money's just definitely spread out a little bit more due to the size of rosters. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I mean, what team do you think on this list he goes to? I mean, I would have to say if I had to put my money on it, I think at this point I, I would go the I would go Eagles number one and I would probably go 49ers number two. And then if I had to round up my top three, I'd probably put the Ravens or the Cowboys on the third. Because you just know with Jerry Jones, he might just he might just do it, you know, just because I mean they he's been Jamal Adams has been linked to the Cowboys for what, almost a year now? Over a year? 
Um, but I think the Eagles are in the best position to get them simply because they do have cap space. You know, they don't have a ton of guys they necessarily need to pay, you know, in the upcoming years. Um, they do need to replace Malcolm Jenkins, in my opinion, who was, you know, one of the, the core players to that Super Bowl run. Um, and again, Jalen Mills, you know, hasn't really proven himself yet in the league. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think for me, the Eagles are just kind of that ideal place. And him, and also, even though they did get Darius Slay that offseason, I mean, Darius Slay and Jamal Adams on the same in the same secondary is quite an in- intriguing uh, potential team there. It's, it's, um, so. it's quite an upgrade, too, especially considering what they had the last couple years. Um, oh, of course. I mean, they've had Ronald Darby and who else? Uh, I forget who else they've even had there, but I mean – getting Jamal Adams and Darius Slay on the same team would be special. That is for sure. Definitely make them probably the best defense in the NFC East, but that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah. They, the NFC East has been struggling for quite a long time. It, yeah. Looking at this list, I'm going to say, I don't think the Cowboys can do it because they're already looking like the Rams 2.0, just all in on win now. And then if it goes up in flames, so be it. I don't think they'll do it because they're already – have so many guys that they have to pay to it's just it'd be ridiculous if they made that deal it just really would and the 49ers i feel like that goes against their own philosophy so i don't think it happens for them either i'm gonna say it's between the eagles and the ravens and i think the eagles are definitely the favorite yeah i mean the ravens are definitely realistic i mean i'd take jamal adams over earl thomas any day so would earl thomas's wife probably we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> no, nah, come on! Don't no. We're not doing that. No, no. Everyone listening, don't listen to him. We're not editing that out. No way. That's a good. Oh joke. man. Um. But the thing I hate about these lists ultimately is it seems like they every star, at least in the NBA, they come out with a list of preferred teams, and then it doesn't. It's always some team, not even on the map. So that's the thing that I mean. I, that's why I think they, the Browns have a shot at this because they do need safety help. That was one of their biggest needs. They got Delpit, but you still got the, that other spot, so he could come in, mentor Grant Delpit, help some help him fix up those tackling issues, and he would obviously jump ahead of Carl Joseph on the depth chart. So that would make sense, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Raiders because they did let Carl jo- Joseph go, but uh, but they do have the uh, Jonathan Abrams. Um, but he was injured his rookie year, and who knows if he's even that good. Um, but I'm trying to think of other teams in the league. Oh, the Buccaneers were a dark horse team that I was thinking about. Oh, yeah. He, it's real. He did say he would like – he wouldn't mind the opportunity to be uh, – to play with Tom Brady. So, that is – It's not unrealistic. I do believe they have some cap space. I mean, they didn't pay Tom Brady a ton of money, right? Gave him, what, like 30 – what, 33? Yeah, but I mean that's obviously because of his age. And I mean, yeah, I think the Bucks could honestly be uh, a surprise team that could hop in there and grab him. But like you said, you know, you never really know. It's never the team you you know you most suspect it to be. Okay, we're gonna call that a show. Uh, we talked about a lot of great stuff today. We got a lot of great stuff coming up uh, next time. We may do the Dak debate. Talk about that contract situation if a deal doesn't get done beforehand. We'll see. And we got plenty of other great stuff coming up. Um, Potentially soccer next week. 
Potentially soccer, we are still exploring. Down. I'm finally putting my foot down this weekend. We're watching Premier League games. We're watching some La Liga games. We're getting in the soccer one time. We got it. It's the only other. It's the only sport going on right now. We got. We have to. That's a fair. There's some soccer fans out there. I guess that's a fair argument because you really can't refute that. <laughs> Since there's, there really isn't any other sports on right now, except for some Yahoo Sports, you know, replays of NBA games. Yeah, unless we want to go on Twitch and watch, you know, Call of Duty Warzone streams, because that's the sport now. <laughs> that grinds my gears. That esports, oh my god, es- um, esports is a big benefactor from this whole quarantine. Yeah, seriously. But, anyways, we'll see you all next week. So see ya. Yeah, thanks for tuning in.